are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want to speak to you about grace giving. Why it's so important and what are some of the uh, the, the, the great accomplishments that grace giving does and accomplishes. When I was a young pastor in this church, my first year I struggled with even receiving the offering. I felt like I didn't want to be known as a money preacher and I'd be very apprehensive to talk about money. An older pastor came by and I quite frankly don't even remember who he was, but he came by and he said to me, Brother Treber, you're wrong. Teaching people how to give is not what you do to them, it's what you allow for them. You're teaching them to invest in heavenly investment. It's the best thing. And then we began some of these building projects and I was forced to raise money. If, if there's a favorite, one of my favorite subjects to speak about is money. Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. The Bible says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The man is now in heaven, but he was a faithful member of this church. I recall in the old building back 40 some years ago, he had walked forward, just a dignified man, much older than I, successful man. And he'd come to church and he'd be there for a week, walk forward, get right with God, and then miss the next week. And then he'd come, walk forward after two weeks missing, uh, perhaps, and then he'd stay faithful for two weeks. It was on and off, on and off, three weeks, and then that was it. And he came, and I used to go down to the front of the auditorium, and the, uh, as the pastors do, and I said, why'd you come? And he said, Pastor, you know why I'm coming. I'm on again, off again. I'm, I love the Lord. I, I do love him. I get to church. I get right with God, and then, I, then I'm out for a week or two or three. And I'll never forget, I looked at him. I said, he goes, what's wrong with me? I says, because you don't give. And he looked at me and he said, I thought you did not look at the giving. I said, I don't. But apparently your response tells me that you don't give. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If my treasure was in Wall Street, I'd learn how to read Wall Street. I don't know how to read it. If my treasure was in stocks and bonds, I'd learn how to read stocks and bonds. Where they're at, I don't have any money there. Where your treasure is, you're going to check up on your treasure. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. God caused me to fall in love with chapter 8 and chapter 9 in the book of, of 2 Corinthians. It's a two chapters that deals with grace giving. Grace is undeserved. We don't deserve this joy. I'll get to the scripture. I'll explain some more and then we'll get to our scripture we're going to actually use today. But as we look at this, I'm going to see if I can turn this way and stop that wind sound. Maybe that'll help you. But is it still bothering you? You okay? But, but, but grace giving. It, it is more blessed, Jesus said, to give than to receive. Life is not about merchandising people and getting, people, getting things from people. Life is learning the joy of giving. And it's just not always money. Give of your time. Give of your treasure. Give of your talent. Give of, give, give of your ability to make good food. Help some people along the way. Uh, look, every, look every day 
Find someone in need. Help somebody today. The church is not a museum for dead saints. It's not a, a place where we just build our beautiful 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 million dollar stained glass windows. We have no stained glass windows. There's too much opportunity that's before us. We need to get the gospel to the world while there's yet an opportunity. And so I learned about the joy of giving. And consequently, the North Valley Baptist Church has been the church that God has used so very much. Your zeal, the Bible says, hath provoked very many. The way that you give, yes, financially, as you give to missions, as you give to the bus ministry, as you give to the college, as you give to Bible projects, as you give to just recently paying for 400 churches to be built in the Philippines and pay the pastor's salary for a year, that, that's all as a result of grace giving. And when a church learns to give, they'll give of their sons and daughters to bear the message glorious. They'll give of themselves to the bus ministry and run those buses and give their Saturdays and Sundays to the cause of Christ. Grace giving, our scripture, I want to read it together with you this morning. Let me read it for you today. And I want to, normally I don't stop, but I may stop along the way as we're still in introduction. Moreover, brethren, we do to the wit. Well, there's a word we don't use today, to the wit. It means, I want you to know something. I want you to know how you do things. We, we, to the wit to know or to how the grace of God bestowed on the churches of, here's the key word, Macedonia. Macedonia. I, 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 that's where we're going to go in just a moment in the book of Acts. Macedonia. This is so important. How that in the great trial of their affliction. You see, the church at Macedonia was a newer church. It wasn't as established as the church at Corinth and the church in this region just north of Israel. Macedonia was an old, entire new open field. The apostle Paul did not want to go there. The apostle Paul wanted to go to Asia. And from Asia, he would go to Africa. Do you know if the apostle Paul got his way, America would be like Africa and Africa would be like America. They would have had the gospel. Africa was denied the gospel for so long. But God shows that the gospel would go westward. God's going to show us now in the book of Acts, he is going to push the gospel westward. He's going to have it not just stay in Ephesus and Corinth and Sumatra and other cities, but he's going to push it west. God pushes the gospel west. If you'll notice, even politically, so often we're pushed westward. Did you know that our first president in the 1760s came from the, the East Coast, George Washington? A hundred years later in 1860, he came from Illinois in Abraham Lincoln. A hundred years later in 1960, it was Mr. Richard Nixon. He came from California. It's going west. It's going west. The gospel's coming west. I don't know, uh, why, maybe Brother Bertram, you could preach a message, keep your eye on the eastern sky. But, but from the west, we look up to the east. But God's pushing the gospel east. And he said, I want you to know this. Here's this new area, Macedonia, this new church. I would suggest to you this afternoon, if you have a map in the back of your Bible, would you do what I have done? I've taken a globe out in my office, and this last week I studied that globe. I've taken several of my Bibles out and looked at the back and saw this region of Macedonia. God's going to do something great with Macedonia. But right now, they're just a young, a young church, a young people. They're about 10 years of age when Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he said how that in the 
trial of affliction, their abundance of joy and deep poverty. They abounded to the riches of their liberality. The churches of Macedonia are going to send financial gifts to these churches that were older. These churches in Jerusalem and other areas that were older churches than they were, they were a brand new church. They were in their first love. But the problem with Macedonia, it was given over to idolatry. In the city of Athens alone, where Paul is going to go and establish a church, the book of Acts, there were over 30,000 gods in that one city alone they worshiped. And they were given over to idolatry and to sinfulness and to wickedness. And yet in the midst of all that paganism, people were getting saved and they got so fired up they learned to give because of the fact they were in paganism and these people were getting saved. The city would begin to persecute them. They would beat them. They would throw in stocks. They'd throw them in prison. You recall that Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. That was in Macedonia. And they began to sing and praise God at the midnight hour. Oh, they suffered. These people in Macedonia suffered. And they didn't have a lot of money because they, they as Christians, were under great persecution. And God says they had great, they had great poverty and great, great affliction. But they gave. Look at verse number three. And to their power, thank you for listening so careful. We'll get to the message in a moment. For the power I bear record beyond their power. They were willing to themselves. You see, it always starts there. In fact, he says it again, verse number five. And they did, not as we had hoped, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord. You'll never, God will never get your pocketbook till it gets your heart. And they gave themselves, teenagers, learn to give God your youth. Learn to give God your life in these early days of life. College students, give God your life early. That's why, that's why it says, oh, satisfy us early. Psalm chapter 90. He's speaking about age. He's speaking about youthfulness in its context. Go back and look at it. He says, teach us to number our days. If a man lives to be 70, he's going to be living 25,550 days. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Oh, satisfy us early in our youth. May we be satisfied with God. Teenager, college student, young couple, don't wait till you're an old man or an old lady. Give your life to God early in life. And he said, I'm, I'm just so excited about the fact. He said, you're young Christians. And immediately you gave yourself. They were winning themselves. Verse four, they were sending this gift to them, praying with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift. The we was the church at Corinth. We want you to receive this gift. We don't have a lot of money. We're in prison. We're having hard times. But we want to invest in your work. And the Bible says, verse 6, thank you so listen so carefully, insomuch that we desire Titus, that as he begun, he would finish also in you. Here it is, this same grace. He's beginning to speak in chapter eight and nine about giving, about money, about sacrificing. And he calls it a grace. In fact, verse number seven, as you abound in everything, he covers that prior to this in the book of 1 Corinthians. These people had every gift imaginable. In Corinth, as you abound in faith, that's a gift, and utterance and knowledge and diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. Look for opportunities to invest in God's work. Now turn with me, if you will, to our text today. We're in the book of Acts chapter 16. 
as you turn to Acts 16, how this began to come alive in my life, this text that we are seeing today was a result of my Bible reading schedule a few weeks ago. I was just reading through Corinthians. I came to chapter eight and nine. And in my Bible time, I went down memory lane. I recall for about the first 25 years, every January, we'd hang a big banner over the front of the auditorium. Some of you would remember this, give an account of thy stewardship, Luke 16, two. Stewardship is when I manage the property, the valuables, the possessions of another. And I'd preach for every Sunday morning for all the month of January, for 25 years straight on stewardship. Do you know we had more adults saved that stayed in church on messages of money than any other season of the year? I don't know why I ever stopped, but this text became so alive to me in that early days especially about as I learned with the grace of giving, that it's a grace, it's an undeserved privilege and favor. And then I uh, so I, my personal Bible reading this text came alive. I was speaking secondly with my son, our son, recently. He's established in this church in Arizona. We're praying that he'll be able to move out of the, the public school and get into a building and all that. We've been, so Brother Tim will call me quite often. We're talking. And we're talking about how he can raise funds and how he can, and he's looking at a building, looking at some things right now. And I said, son, you're gonna have to remember 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, I began to speak about the text. I said, you have to preach a lot about stewardship because you're doing something for these brand new Christians in your church, not something against them. You're letting them invest early in the work of God. And what a joy that will be. You know, we have many superintendents in our Sunday school, but there's four of us that have all been superintendents over 40 plus years. And we've aged, we've aged a little bit together. But you know, all of those four Sunday school superintendents were there in those early days where everything was, let's give, let's give, let's give, let's give. Sunday morning, I'd say, okay, we need X amount of dollars for the foundation, every found square, we'd take time. Now, this week, we need two by sixes. I need a whole truckload of two by sixes. They cost X amount. We'd raise our hands, we'd honk the horn. Okay, this week, we need two by fours. Okay, we need wiring this week. And Brother Manley, you're sitting right there, Lynn, you know it's the truth, Brother Paul and Margie Skirty, you know we just did it every service, every service, every service. My uncle was building the church and the building. He's with the Lord now. My uncle Bill was building the building. And I'd say, you know, Uncle Bill, I said, uh, I think we're gonna have to shut the project down. He said, no, we didn't start to shut it down. I said, we have no money. He said, well, it's Saturday. We got tomorrow. And he said, just raise what you need for this week. I can recall the doors we raised for the doors. We raised money for the door knobs, the door closers. And God just did that. God was building my faith. I, I want you to remember, we were looking at the church at Macedonia. I'm still in introduction. It may take me four hours to get through this message today. You're listening well. We're in Acts 16. And the Bible says, Acts 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God in Asia. See, Paul said, I want to go to Asia. But you know, God is working behind the scenes. He already knew that there was gonna be a church in Macedonia that was gonna send love gifts to the church over there in Corinth. God knew that, God sees all this and God's orchestrating it all. Paul said, I wanna to go to Asia. But the Holy Spirit said, you're not going to Asia. 
After they come to Messiah, they uh, say to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Holy Spirit said, you're not going there. Follow this on your map this afternoon. And passing through Mysia, they came to Troas. And here it is. And in a vision, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of what? Macedonia. That's the same word we're finding over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They stood a man of Macedonia. Macedonia is not a city, it's a region. It's an entire expanse of area. Macedonia is Europe. It's London. It's Paris. It's really reaching down into Rome. It's reaching Germany. And that's why we had so much gospel at one time through the Lutheran church, especially in the 1500s coming from there to America and Protestantism and Baptist churches as well. They weren't always called Baptist churches coming this way. The Bible says, come over in verse number, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, begged him, asked him, saying, come over to Macedonia to help us. Here's a struggle. Paul said, I don't want to go to Macedonia. I want to go to Asia. I do not want to go this way. I want to go this way. Sort of like Jonah, total opposite. But the difference with Jonah and Paul, Paul did not fight the Holy Spirit of God. He didn't say, I'm going to do my own thing. God, you get on my program. I'm not going to get on yours. No, no, no. And after we'd seen the vision, verse number 10, what's the next word? Immediately, we endeavored. It's interesting it says we because apparently Luke the writer now must have joined in because already there's Paul and Silas and now there's Luke, Dr. Luke. We adventured to go into Macedonia and gathered that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And verse number 12, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. And we're getting where we're going and you've been so patient. If you're sleeping, nudge the person right next to you. You've listened so well. I want you to see how that God has opened up Macedonia. And God opens it up that Europe is going to get the gospel. Where does America get the gospel? America got the gospel. Our motherland was England. That's why so many of the cities in the East Coast are called New England, New Haven, Connecticut, because there's a, there's a haven, but now there's a New Haven, New Jersey. There's a Jersey, but there's a New Jersey in the United States of America. Many of our cities and towns and areas are called New, N-E-W, because there was a new beginning as we came from the, on the Mayflower and we came seeking as we came uh, with uh, our forefathers and uh, Europe is bringing the gospel to America. Now, here we look in verse, we're, we're almost there. Verse number 14. And a certain woman, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple in the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart whose heart the Lord opened and she attended to the things that were spoken. Here is going to be the first convert in Europe. God is choosing to use this lady. God always chooses to use people. I think of how he chose to use Esther. Ladies, you are so, so important. 
God used Esther to save the Jews. The Jews would have been obliterated. And she stood with the Jews and said, if I perish, I perish. Ladies, don't buy into this liberalism that you are so uh, independent and defiant. No, God's work needs you. God's work needs ladies. The first ones at the cross were ladies. The last one at the cross were ladies. The first one at the tomb was a lady. Oh, how important it is. So we have Esther. She saved the Jews. Here we have Ruth. And her line gave us Jesus Christ. And now we have the first person that's going to get saved in all of Europe. Thank God anybody can be saved. But God says, I want to choose to use a lady. And when her heart was spoken to, her house was open. Look at verse 15. And when she was baptized, she received Christ. And as she was baptized, her and her household, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful, the Lord come into my house and abide there. And she constrained them. And they began to teach and preach the word of God. Lydia! Lydia changed a continent. Macedonia was changed because this lady was searching for God. And Paul brought her the gospel. You think of what took place in all those churches that were established over in the, uh, my map back here. I was just looking at it again yesterday or last night or this morning. And again this morning, I look at all these places where they went. They went to Berea. They went to Thessalonica. Uh, they went to uh, Nepalus. And they went to Corinth. And they went to these areas and these regions where the gospel needed to be preached. Now this church is about 10 years of age. And they're, selling, they're sending money back. I want to draw your attention. And here's my message. Verse 9. Thank you for bearing with me. The Bible says in verse number 9 of chapter 16 of Acts. Come over to Macedonia and help us. We call that the Macedonian call. There's a call comes ringing. O'er the restless wave, send the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. God wants the gospel to shine everywhere. God wants the gospel to go to the regions beyond he speaks today. And so God calls. There's a Macedonia call. Here it is. Paul answered the call. Will you please answer the call this morning? God did not bring you to church to hear some little sermon. God wants to speak to your heart. How is he speaking to you these days? How is God speaking to you in your Bible time and in your Bible reading and in your prayer life? How is God speaking to you in church? It may be through a song. It may be through a message. It may be through a life. How is God speaking to you? I think of the call that's coming ringing right now. Our church has been shut down for over 370 days. And we're just running a few buses on Saturday, but we have 29 buses. We have $1.5 million in money. We had just invested in buying these buses. They're nearly new. They're beautiful. There they sit. Many are uninsured because we pulled the insurance and we pulled them all, all of them, little by little, putting some back on to get them on the road. 
But you know what? This last year, what you could have been doing, we need right now five to ten, it may be better yet, 15 more drivers. Is God speaking to you? I wanted you to know as there was a Macedonian call, you've got an old preacher standing up here before you today is crying out, can we get some bus drivers? Can we get some men, some women to get behind the wheel of a bus and drive and bring boys and girls and men and women to the house of God again? We need bus drivers. You know today what we need? We need bus mechanics. We need some mechanics, another three, four or five volunteer. Oh, we have an army of great mechanics. I think of Mark Giovanelli who gets in his wheelchair every week. He was a bus driver here. He's a bus worker and all of a sudden his back exploded. And as his back exploded, he's been in a wheelchair for several years now. But every Saturday that car comes rolling in and he drives it. And as he drives it, he parks it back there. As he parks it, he gets that wheelchair out and he gets in there, he works many, many hours. I think of some of the men that are getting older in life, and I'm not trying to be humorous at all. I thank God that they're out there. Some no longer can get under a bus, but they can do other things. Oh, but we need some men that say, I'll, I'll, be, a bus, I'll be a bus mechanic. I'll come once a month for three hours on a Saturday or one hour for a Saturday. I'll come. We have one man, Brother Bruce Kennedy, comes every Monday night, inspects the bus. It's done it for decades. I'm talking about the fact we need some people that say, I'll be a bus mechanic. Amen. Honk the horn on that one. I'll be a, I'll buy a bus driver. There's a call. I'm calling out today. Can't you help? There's a call for Saturday night men's prayer meeting. Oh, yes, it's great. Oh, yes, we're averaging about 100 men plus the Spanish, about another 25, probably 125 men uh, every Saturday night to pray. But that 125 men should double beginning this week. I'm calling you to prayer. America is going to hell, sliding so fast, there's hardly stopping. The only thing that can stop, the only one that can stop this mess is God Almighty. You can silence a former president that he cannot speak on the internet. There's coming a day when the message of Jesus Christ will be silenced. We have to fight this battle, not in Congress. That's not going to do a thing. Not legally. That's not going to do a thing. I'm not talking about breaking the law. It's going to have to be fought on our knees in prayer and begging God, who is the God, who's the creator, who's the sustainer, is the one that can take care of. We're a mess in America. Gotta have some men praying, walking all over this property, all over this campus, kneeling in different tents, praying, begging God, sitting in the car, praying that God, you would send revival to this great land of ours. I'm calling for men and ladies to consider worldwide missions like never before. I'm so very grateful for what you did in the Philippines. These 400 churches about the 150 missionaries on top of that we support every month. But you know right now we're preparing up for 2022, three quarters from now, when we go into the land of Mexico, it's gonna cost us more for a salary, it's gonna cost us more for a church building, but we wanna build just as soon as possible 200 churches. Mexico needs the gospel. 
Mexico right now, their, their president seems like he's stronger than many other presidents because he's not, I, I don't want to tolerate this, people just walking through our country from other lands. But right now they're there, we have to reach them. We have to reach people with the gospel in Mexico. And they're pushing this way. Oh my, I say, I'm, I, I'm not the one to deal with all that, how to handle that, but I am the one to say, when God brings us their souls, here or there, we must reach because there's a call that's coming out for worldwide missions. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses of me. It's not like if you want to do this, you can. Ye shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. We are responsible to take the gospel to the world. It's the only hope for mankind. I think about the call to go to Bible college. Why, Brother Oxide, do we have to go across the country pleading with young people to go study the Bible? There's a world their only hope is not some government to hand out more food. Their only hope is for some church to teach them how to be born again and how that they can no longer have to depend on the government to feed them. But if a man will not work, he should not eat. Teach a man to be a man. There's a call. We need helpers with the college right now. This president club. There's a call for North Valley Baptist School. A great school and other property has been producing great Christians for generation. There's a call for soul winners. Would it be something as Brother Cooper mentioned, we're on the, we're on the path to get last year 50,000 Bibles out. This year, isn't it something that we're on the path to get 150,000 Bibles out. We ordered 50,000. We're about finished with those. You say, well, where will the rest come? We're just gonna order them by faith because God's word needs to get out to this area. There's a call coming for Bible distribution. There's a call coming for soul winners. There's a call coming for givers today. This grace also. Lay it up for yourselves, treasure to heaven. Because the gospel went from the Jerusalem area to Europe. Europe brought it to the United States. And consequently, we've heard the gospel. I'm out of time. I wonder today, how will you answer the call? How will you answer the call for Bible salvation? Lydia said, I've been studying about God. I've been praying. I've been doing all these things but I'm not born again and she had to get saved. Are you saved? If you died right now, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell or don't you know? In a few moments, we'll give an invitation and a man can speak to a man briefly how to be saved and a lady can speak to a lady how to be saved. God reached down about so many years ago, decades ago, and saved my sorry soul about 15 minutes from here. And I'll never forget that happy day when my name was written in the book of life, I've been able to die for the last many decades if I needed to die and my life were to come to an end and go to heaven, not because I'm a Baptist or not because I was born in a good home or not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot sing the kingdom of God. 
There's a call coming for salvation today in these cars all the way back on the streets. And I see you coming around the corner. I, I don't see you all now down that street. You're parked around the corner. You're parked over here. I can't see you all. And you're parked over this way. And all these different tents where you're loaded up in this parking lot. Are you saved? When we give the invitation, if you're not saved, I'd walk out of your car, automobile, get to this altar and let someone show you how to be saved. I wonder, are you serving God? Question. There's always been a call. What did you do with the call this week? What track did you pass? What Bible did we pass? What wrench did we turn? What door did we knock? What vacuum cleaner did we run? What did we do for the cause of Christ? What did we do this past week for Christ? There's a call for service. The labors are few, the Bible says. We never have enough. I think of Uniting with this church as a call comes to you today. If you're not a member of a Bible-believing, preaching church like this, you ought to become one. Unite with the church. There's a call for stewardship. There's a call to give our sons and daughters who belong to God back to Him. I'm so fascinated. I close with April 14th. It was a Sunday. April 14th. She was making, and you know the story, her maiden voyage. I have so many books and articles about it. Coming from Belfast, Ireland to New York City. That great Titanic, inside it had ballrooms. Inside it had restaurants. Inside it had barbershops and beauty parlors. Inside they had so many wonderful things to enjoy. There are swimming pools inside the Titanic. They were made with compartments that were unsinkable because they would seal the doors and people could not, uh, any water could get, not get in, so we were told. One passenger who was boarding the maiden voyage that day said, it is, the, it is the ship that even God cannot sink. It's unsinkable. That Sunday night, the orchestra was playing that Sunday night, there was great gaiety and life and happiness. For the first several hours after they hit that big iceberg, they still thought they were going to be saved. They had enough lifeboats on, on, on board to, to just half the crowd. When they realized they were going down, they knew already half was going to leave or was going to drown. But the problem with those lifeboats, because there was regulations they could only put less than half on each light boat. And so consequently, as it hit that iceberg and pulled back its hull, and that water began to come in, and the next day on the 15th, on a Monday, that great Titanic was gonna go down taking the lives of 1,625 people. But that night after they hit the iceberg, and when they realized what was happening, they began to call for another ship. The ship was nearby. It was only 12 miles away, which was not very far away. It was called the Californian. And that ship, the Californian, was there. It could have rescued those people. But the man who had the earphones on could hear the call for help. He decided it was a quiet night there are no icebergs in sight. 
And he took his earphones off and laid them to the side. And he kicked back and he fell asleep at the wheel. The cries came out from the great Titanic. Could you help us? Could you help us? California, we see you're nearby. Could you help us? Could you help us? Please come and rescue. We're going down. Please come. Please come. There's a call comes ringing or the restless light wave. Paul, will you come to Macedonia? Will you help us? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling for you and for me. God is always calling. I've been singing this week. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow close to me. God has to be calling you to do something today. God has to call you to salvation. He stands at the door and knocks. If any man will hear my voice, are you hearing the voice of God speaking to you about your salvation? God is speaking to some of you about salvation. God is speaking to some of you about believers' baptism. God is speaking to some of you in this great crowd this morning, in this great church, about uniting with this church. God is speaking to some of you to attend Bible college and prepare to serve him. God is speaking to some of you to underwrite and help that Christian school or help that college. God is speaking to some of us today about getting on a bus route or becoming a mechanic or getting to the choir. Say the choir's not singing yet. Oh, but she's going to real soon. God's speaking to some of you, you know how to play an instrument. Well, get in the orchestra. Well, they have some rules I don't like. Well, throw away your ideas and whatever the rule might be, then obey it. Don't miss this opportunity because there's a call comes ringing today. Paul! Yes, Lord, I'm serving you. I can hardly wait to go to Asia and then go to Africa with the gospel. But no, Paul, I'm not going to have you take it to Asia. I want you to take it to Europe. And for Europe, it's going to sound forth to the regions beyond. That was God's plan. Can you hear the voice of God calling today? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.